What, what would it look like if we took that to heart instead of just saying, oh, you're like, our neighbors are all the people in the world, but what if we took a look at our physical neighborhood and we got to know them and we kind of talked about how less than 10% of people can actually name their eight closest neighbors, like by proximity, their eight closest neighbors, only about 10% can name them. And then it went even lower of people who could name uh, like something important about them or personal about them, like where, what they do for work or um, something about their life. And the percentages went down to almost 1% of people can, only, can name something that they've actually learned through a conversation with their neighbors. So we, we talked about what would it be like if we actually loved our physical neighbors. And then last week, Jim uh, preached an amazing message. It was probably my favorite of his to date. And he talked about this whole idea of hospitality and what would that look like if we started to, to view our homes, not just as a place where you go and relax and, and just isolate yourself from the rest of the world where you unwind. But we, we took a look at our homes and said, what if we made these a place where we invite others into them? If we could use our homes as, as something more than just a refuge to get away from people, but to bring people in. He talked about how hospitality, the first part of that word is hospital, and how if we could use our home as a place to bring people in that are lost or hurting, and we can kind of begin to live our lives with them. And so as we started talking about uh, this week and, and what we're going to do for week three, and I've just been kind of all over the place um, trying to figure out what is it that God wants me to speak? And, and as um, you know, like we try to plan these things out. Like I try to come up here with some notes, and so I know what I'm going to say. And as each day of this week kind of got further and further, closer and closer to Sunday, I was like, come on, God, like this, you could kind of give me some things to say here because I'm getting down to the wire, right? And so on Friday, I just found myself sitting on, um, on my back deck, and I was just like, God, you know, I feel like I'm pulled in so many different directions and how to, how to go about this and how are we going to kind of bring this message home and, and really drive it home. And so I just began to pray and ask God, like, speak through what, what I have to, today like, or for Sunday. And I don't want to speak, but you speak through me. And so I began to think about the week. And, and if you're anything like me, like, this was kind of a rough week for me. I felt like I just felt you know, kind of down all week long, and, and this kind of like cloud sort of sat over me as I, you know, scrolled through Facebook. And if you're, if you're on Facebook, I'm sure you felt the same way, that just over and over again, you just saw people just hating on other people, complaining about other people, complaining about our president, complaining about this and that, and just ripping each other apart. And you see all these Facebook freedom fighters, you know, launching things out and just ripping people apart without even knowing, you know, who they're talking to. And they're just loading up and tearing each other down. And, and if you've been to Journey Church before, then you know that we're not a political church. You're not going to hear a politically charged message spoken from up here, and today is no different. So don't worry about that. But, but I'm talking about regardless of kind of our stance and, and how we feel about um, the things going on in our country right now, about the separation of children and their parents, that no matter your stance, your belief system, your political party, your race, whatever it is, I felt like we are so much better than this. We should be so much better than this. And that if we could just, you know, take a moment and have conversations with people in person over a cup of coffee or a nice refreshing can of seltzer, if we could just get to know people, right? If you know me, you know I love seltzer, all things, all flavors. But if we could just communicate with people 
instead of you know, loading up 140 characters and just taking a blast out on Facebook or Twitter and just annihilating people that we've probably never even met or the people that we call friends and we're calling them names and stupid for thinking a certain way. And then I read this quote. Sometimes it takes a party. Sometimes it takes a party. When I read that, it just stuck with me. All week long, I've just been thinking about that. Sometimes it takes a party. You know what I mean. Like sometimes it takes a party. It takes a party to let people know how much you love them despite their opinions. A party says, hey, I value you, not your opinion. I value you. Not to say their opinion doesn't count, but you value them more than their opinion. It's enough to say sometimes it takes a party you know, to show people that God is for them and that God has always been for them. Sometimes it takes a party to bring two different sides together and to say, you know what? We're friends, or we should be friends. We can be friends. Sometimes it takes a party, like no agenda, no little screens, right? No 140 characters, just burgers, hot dogs, some chicken drummies, some wings, some veggie burgers if you're into that, or tofu dogs, you know? I mean, that's your thing, okay? I probably won't eat at your party, but I'll be there. I'll bring the seltzer. It'll be fun. But sometimes it takes just relaxing, right? You get the solo cups out, and you just have some fun, and you enjoy people's company. Reggie Joyner, he's kind of one of the creators of Orange, the curriculum that our children do. Um, He said this about a party. He said, a party is any effort to celebrate, any effort to celebrate, serve, or enjoy each other in a way that adds value to life. Adds value. I like how it just says, any effort. So anything you even attempt to do to celebrate, serve, or enjoy each other, that's a party. That's a party. You can have a party with two people. You can have a party with three people or 50 people. The point is, is that you're adding value to someone's life. So I ask you today, like, are you adding value to someone's life? When was the last time that you intentionally added value to somebody's life? Like really kind of were intentional about what you were doing for that person and trying to add value to them. So today we're going to kind of talk about this. We're going to kind of bring all that in and we're going to talk about how do you become a party animal? That's kind of my mantra for today. How do you become a party animal, right? Like someone who enjoys a good party. Okay, Webster's Dictionary defines a party animal as a party animal is a person known for frequent, often wild partying, okay? frequent, often wild partying. And so that's kind of where I want to go today. No, I'm not talking about, you know, a frat boy party animal and keg stands and all that stuff, but I'm talking about people who just have a good time, who are known to have a good time. So when your neighbors drive home and they pass your street, they're like, man, the Keezers are at it again. Like they have always got people over. That just seems fun. And to the point where your neighbors are trying to get to know you because they want to be invited to your house. They want to know what's going on. They want to know that they see you as the, the neighborhood party animal, and you're not being obscene, and you're not having you know, parties till one in the morning and stuff like that, but just having a good time to the point where their kids are saying, Mom, why, what's all that laughter for? What are they doing over there? Why can't we go? Because there's no better way to meet your neighbors. There's no better way to get to know people than to have them over for a good old-fashioned party. Like, you don't bring the doilies out and those things and the salad forks. You just, you get the paper plates, right? You can go to Shaw's or Hannaford and you get some hot dogs. They're cheap. You can go to the bread store, get 99 cent bread on Fridays. 
and you just get a bunch of rolls and you have a barbecue. You have people over. And the, the, the reason that this is so important is because I believe that Jesus was a party animal. Okay, Don't get offended. Don't get offended. But I do. I believe that Jesus, he knew how to have a good time. He knew how to go to parties, and he loved going to them. If you have some time, we're not going to go here this morning, but if you would tonight maybe look up Luke chapter 14 and 15. It's like the party central of the Gospels right there. Okay, So Jesus, he's talking. He, he tells a story. He's big into parables at this portion. He's talking about weddings, and he's talking about party etiquette, about you know, how you should act and where you should sit at parties and stuff like that. And then he tells a story about a, uh, a man who's got all these sheep, but he loses one of them. And then he goes and he searches for that sheep, and he finds it. And it says that he called all his neighbors, his relatives, and he got them together to celebrate. He threw a party because he found his sheep. There was a woman who had 10 silver coins, okay, and she lost one of them, and she hunted all over her house. She you know, looked under chairs. She's looking everywhere, and she finds that coin. And what does she do? She throws a party. So she invited her neighbors and all her relatives over to celebrate with her, to celebrate a party. Jesus, he got in trouble. He, all these, you know, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time, they were always looking at Jesus and being like, do you see who he's hanging out with? Like, he's hanging out with the lowest of the lows, and they're having parties, and they're, they're having a good time, and Jesus is there, and he's living it up. And all these religious leaders, they're like, what's he doing? Why is he with those people? One of Jesus' first recorded miracles was at a party where he turned water into wine because they ran out. The party was winding down, and Jesus started it back up again because Jesus knew how to have a good time. He knew that a party is the perfect place for people to tear down walls and to get to know each other. And so in, in 1 Thessalonians, this, uh, this letter that um, Paul wrote, and he wrote this to the Thessalonians, the people in Thessalonica. That's a very tricky word to say, Thessalonians. But he, he wrote these letters, and this, this is Paul saying to them, and he, the first chapter or so, he's saying how much he enjoyed his time there and, and all that he's done and, and how he delighted being with them and all this stuff and, and how he brought the gospel to them. And he could have tried to persuade them with money and do all this stuff just to get money from them for his ministry, but he didn't. He says that he cared for them because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God. So he shared Jesus with them. He shared the gospel with them. But he also, he said, not only did we do that, but we also shared our lives as well. Our lives as well. It's huge. It's because Paul says, I didn't just meet you and tell you about Jesus. And then I kind of left and took off. He says, I shared my life with you. And if you know anything about people's lives, you can't do that in two minutes. Or five minutes. It takes time to share your life with people. You have to intentionally do that. He's saying that, you know, I didn't just throw up that cool Christian meme up, you know, with Jesus saying like, you need Jesus and then called it good, right? He shared his life with them. He did share Jesus with them, but he went even further to say, we shared our whole life with you. We showed you why this matters to us. I loved you that much that we didn't just share the gospel and the miraculous things that Jesus has done with us, but we shared and invited you into our life. We invited you to be part of it. And Paul knew. He knew this, and that's why he recorded this, and that's why we even, it's in the Bible. It's because Paul knew when a seemingly ordinary person invites others into their life and shares their faith and shares what God has done for them and just shares hospitality, gets to know them, that extraordinary things begin to happen. 
extraordinary things begin to happen. And God begins to take that relationship and just blow the doors wide open. Paul knew that these things would happen. And that's why he knew that he couldn't just share the gospel and then take off. He needed to share his life with them. He needed to go deeper. And the reality is, though, as we said, we're, not, we're anything but ordinary. We're not just ordinary people, but we have value and we have the potential to change people's lives. And if we step out of our comfort zone and we begin to just meet with people and get to know them and, and just say hello to them, that we can begin to change lives and we could begin to change the world, which is why we think this series is so important. You know, in 2 Timothy, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self control. He's saying, You've got everything you need. You are equipped for greatness. Every person in this room is equipped for greatness, that you have the potential to do huge things. You can do amazing things, and you can do this through neighboring, through getting yourself out there, through inviting people over. And so I know as I look out, I can see the excuses just start rolling through your head. Like, I know, Brian, like, it's a cool idea, but I can see these excuses, okay? And they start to roll. So I made a list for you. So I thought instead of you thinking them, we could all talk about them. So here's the lame excuses we're going to start with. Here's the first one. What if they don't like me? If they don't like you, they won't come back. But at least you tried, right? But you're probably a lot more likable than you think you are, okay? They will have fun. No one's going to show up to your house and then say, I don't like you. They're not going to do that. They're going to stay. They're probably going to be polite. They're going to eat some food. They might laugh a few times, and then they'll leave. And if they don't like you, they don't like you. If they don't like you, you probably didn't like them. And so someone else can kind of invite them over and start that. But that's no reason to not have people over because you never know. They could become your new best friend. But my house is a wreck, okay? My house is not in any shape to entertain people, right? I know this one. I know this well, okay? You can think, oh, my house is just, you know, I haven't vacuumed this week and, you know, I, there's all those repairs that we still need to do and, you know, we don't, our couch isn't big enough for people. But you know what? People just want to get out of their house. They just love to be invited somewhere other than their house with other people that aren't their kids, right? <laughs> Sometimes adults just want to be with adults and they want to get out there and it doesn't matter where you live. They just want to not be at their house. And it's amazing. When I go to someone's house, I don't know what it is, but I just walk around and I'm just like, oh, I really like that. I really like that. I really like that. And I just, you look at people's house and you just, you compliment it and it's a good time. And when people come over, like, I just feel like, ooh, our house is awesome. Like, people just keep talking about it, you know? It's because people just want to be wherever you're at. They just want to be with other people. We're made for relationships. Or here's another one. I'm not a great, I'm not great at entertaining. Like, I'm an introvert, and I'm not, you know, I don't do the whole entertaining thing and, and like, talk jokes and stuff like that. That's okay. That's okay. Because either you're going to invite people who do like entertaining, and they're going to kind of take away, and they're going to have a good time, and you'll be able to partner with that, or they're going to be just like you. And then you'll have all kinds of things to talk about. <laughs> because they don't like to entertain either, and that's why they're at your house. You know? But they're going to have a good time. It's going to be fun. Or, but... I'm not a good cook. This is a big one. A lot of people say this. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not a great cook. Well, you know what? There's lots of people who are good cooks, like Pizza Hut or Domino's. <laughs> Go to KFC, get the big family box with all kinds of fried chicken. People don't care. 
They just want to be somewhere where they don't have to do the cooking for once. They want to go somewhere where someone else cooks and has fun, and, and, and they're going to enjoy it. You can buy frozen hamburgers that turn out awesome. I did this Friday night. I threw them on the grill right before they got there, and they were perfect, and they didn't even know they were frozen, right? Or you get hot. There's prepared things. You don't have to be, you know, I can't think of a famous chef besides Chef Boyardee, but, you know, you don't have to be Gordon Ramsay to enjoy people's company and have them come over. You can order food. It's that simple. Here's another one. But we have kids, okay? How many people have kids? How many people have used your kids as an excuse not to have people over? We all have. We all have, right? It goes with the next one. But our kids are insane. I don't know if that's going to pop up. We might not have had that one. Our kids are insane, right? There you go. I have someone pointing at their kid right now. Some people think, you know, my kids, they're nuts, and they're going to get in everything. They're going to fight, and they're going to be bad, and they're going to say things that embarrass me. My son is at that age where he finds the little things that embarrass me. And I don't embarrass easily, but he has found a way to do that lately. But you know what? You're just going to have fun. The kids, they'll be kids, and they'll enjoy each other's company. At our small group, uh, we had a, a kid that came for the first time a few weeks ago, and she had a blast. A big thing at our house is when kids come over, they don't ever want to leave. I don't know why, but they all have meltdowns when they leave for the first couple times. And she had this huge meltdown when she had to leave. And then her mom messaged us later and was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, she had a meltdown. And all the rest of us that have kids that have come were like, yeah, we know. That happened to my kid. That happened to this person's kid. That happens every week. Kids are going to have meltdowns. They're going to fight. They're going to argue over the swing. But it's fun because then it shows that your kid's not the only one that's insane. <laughs> Everyone else's kids are pretty crazy too. And you can talk about that. You'll have a common bond there. And the last one is, but my house is too small. My house is too small. This is a big one. I hear this one a lot. That our house is just not quite set up right for entertaining. Like we couldn't have like 15 people over and it's just kind of too small, right? It doesn't have to be a mansion. Invite two people over. Invite a single person over. You just have to be intentional with it. Go outside. You probably have a yard. Go in your front yard. Go into your backyard, your side yard. Go to the park across the street or down the street or in the neighborhood. There's no excuse to not have a good time with people. Your house is the perfect size for the people that you're going to have over. I guarantee it. No one's going to come in and be like, man, this is a really fun time, and I'm glad I didn't have to make dinner tonight, and my kids are having a blast, but I'm a little cramped in here. No one's going to do that. They're going to love it because God has equipped you for greatness. He's equipped all of us for greatness. Those of you, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard this saying, I can do through Christ all things, right? I can do all things except have people over. I can do all things except, you know, order dominoes. I can do all things except this, or I can do all things except that. It says you can do all things through Christ. It doesn't leave anything out. It's all the things. Everything's included in that. We have the potential. You've got the right tools. You have the right personality. You have the right house. You have the right yard. You have the time in your life. You just need to be intentional with it. You just need to make it a priority. So how do we get started in this? And this is kind of where we've been going. And so we're going to jump in. And I'm glad you asked that question. So now we're going to get started. Here's kind of like some tips some, some kind of rules for the road in getting started in this. And this comes right from this book. 
This a lot of the ideas that we've been talking about have come from this book. We have some for sale back there. We're not making anything off it. But this book has really changed me and my wife's life and our small group. It's just been amazing. And so the first thing is to start today, but start small, okay? And I thought about doing it the other way. Start small, but start today. Either way, you've got to do one of those two things or both of them. Because if you wait, you're just going to keep waiting. If you're going to wait, you're just going to keep waiting. And how many times do you have that friend that every time you see them, it's like, oh, it's great. We should hang out sometime. And then you don't. And then you see them in six months. And like, we should get together. We really, we really, really should. And if you don't make, it, make an attempt and start now, then you're not going to start tomorrow because you're going to have the same excuse, the same excuse. You need to get going. You need to start today. But start small, okay? You don't need to go out and invite every single person in your contact list to come over Friday night because that's probably not going to end well, okay? It could be a little crazy. So start small. Have a, a single person over or have a couple over. Maybe it's even someone that you're, you're pretty good friends with right now just to kind of break the ice in that. But get started. You just need to get that first invite kind of out of the way. Once you get that first couple over, you know, you get the jitters out and you're like, ooh, this is easier than I thought it was. You know, but just you got to get started. When me and my wife kind of got started in this, we read this book uh, with our small group, I think in the fall, somewhere around there. Um, and we were like, let's be more intentional about who we invite over and inviting people and investing in their lives and stuff. So we, we picked a couple that we knew pretty well and we were like, we should have them over. And so we invited them to come over for dinner and they didn't show up or they didn't come. They turned us down. So then we were like, oh, that's, that's all right, busy schedule. So we invited them again and then they didn't come again. And we invited them again and again and again. And we've invited them probably seven or eight times and they still have not come over for dinner. And I know at some point you start thinking, is it us? Like everyone else accepts our invites, but for some reason they just haven't come over. And maybe your schedules just haven't lined up. We have another couple that we kept trying for like a month and a half. And we're like, can you guys come over this time? Like, no, we have these days free, but oh, we have baseball. We can't do that night. And so for like a month and a half, we just struggled to figure out when we could have them over. And then finally the stars aligned and they came over and it was a great time. We had a ton of fun and we're going to have them over again. But you have to start somewhere. Even if it's a small start, you need to start somewhere. Because if you don't, then tomorrow is always going to be tomorrow. There will always be a tomorrow. And you're always going to be saying, we really need to get together. The next one is create a system. Okay, this is kind of important for the nerds out there. But you need to have a system that kind of works for you to plan this out. Because if you just kind of willy-nilly it, it's probably not going to happen. I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of systems because I know how terrible I can be as, as doing that. Well, we should have you over. We should have you over. Instead, say, we should have you over. What night works for you? And you pull your calendar out, and then you mark it down, and you schedule it. Or maybe you need to get a, uh, a Google spreadsheet or Excel, and you start listing all the names of the people that you want to have over. And then you start sending out some invites. And as they say, I have these nights free, you kind of write those down. Like, be intentional about it. That sounds like that might be a little weird and creepy, but it works. Because then you'll get to know, okay, well, this couple is available on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So if we could kind of figure something out for them, we could have them over. You need a system. See, ours is, is Fridays. Our, Fridays are our thing. I call it Friend Friday, and I've been trying to get that kind of caught on in the house. It's my little catchphrase. But we do Friend Fridays. So every Friday, we have people over just to come over and hang out. We usually, I smoke a bunch of meat, and it's a great time. And so every week, though, as the days go by, our kids are asking, who's coming over this week? 
Who's coming over this week? And me and Gretchen are like, What's, who's coming over Friday? Who's coming over Friday? And as it comes, we make it a priority because we set the system in place. We have the list of people, and we just start inviting them. And then if that person can't come, we plug the next person in, and then the next person. And so we've got a, a system going, and our kids even know. They're like, who's coming over tonight? It's Friday. Who's coming over tonight? And they know that there's going to be you know, some good food. They know there's going to be marshmallows. They know they're going to sandwich those between Reese's peanut butter cups and some graham crackers, and they're going to have a good time because they, have create, they know the system that we've created. But maybe your day is going to be Tuesdays, and you're just going to do tacos every Tuesday, and you invite a different couple over every time, or a few couples. Maybe it's going to be Thursdays, and you do another meal that begins with a T. Um, tortellini Thursdays. I don't know what it'll be, but you need to kind of pick a day that works for you, because schedules are busy, but you need to be intentional about it. Another kind of system that you can create is, is the always rule, okay, the always rule. And it sounds weird, but you always... Say hello to your neighbor whenever you see them. You always stop and say hello. If you see them out, then you make your way over and you always go to them. And it's kind of weird at first, and it can be kind of awkward. And this might sound creepy, but notice when they get their mail. And then get your mail at that time. Like, you're not stalking them. You're just saying, I'm just going to go. Hey, how's it going? It's nice to meet you. It might be a little bit too far, but it works. It'll get, you don't have to like say, hey, I saw you getting your mail today every day. Come over to my house. You're just getting to know people right? You just totally made that creepy. (laughs) But once you get these systems in place, then you start to, it becomes part of your life. The other day, I failed at the always rule. I'll admit it. We were, I was kind of doing a little bit of running. I don't do a lot of running, as you can see, but I was running this particular day. And one of the neighbors who I don't know very well, he was out at the bottom of his driveway. And I said, hey, how are you? And I just kept going. And I was like, I missed it. Like, I missed it. But when you make that a priority and you kind of ingrain that into your routine, then you'll have that check and balance. You'll know when you failed at it, right? The next one is invite others into your existing rhythm, okay? If you know anything about rhythms, it's kind of an ongoing thing, right? If, you have, if you're a drummer and you're a good drummer, then you can carry a rhythm, and it's predictable, and it's, it's continual. If you invite others into your, your kind of existing rhythms, then you say, okay, what's my life look like right now? What do I have going on in my life today? And you invite people into that. If you, you know, your kid has baseball games every Saturday, then maybe invite a couple to come join you. Have them come over to, your, to the baseball game with you. Or my wife, um, we were at a baseball game for our son a couple weeks ago or a month or so, and, and the moms are chatting, and they're talking about the Bachelorette and how they you know, all watch it, and they're like, hey, why don't we all get together and watch it? Like, we're all watching it separate. Why don't we just kind of get together and have fun while we do it? And so they did. So the first week, they met at our house, and they all watched the Bachelorette, and I was away um, for work that night, and I remember I said to Gretchen, like, oh, how was the Bachelorette? Not how was the show, but how was the, the time. And she said, oh, it was a good time. She's like, we barely even watched. They just talked, and they had fun. They just talked. But it's an existing rhythm that they already had. They were all you know, occupying that two hours on a Monday night, so why not do that together? No, they didn't talk about Jesus and probably open the Bible up during The Bachelor, but they were into each other's lives. They shared what was going on, how they were doing, things like that. You have to be intentional. Maybe you center it around a sports team. Maybe your day is Sundays. And whatever, day, whatever Sunday brings, you're there. You're watching the Patriots game. Not the Eagles, but the Patriots game. Okay? 
and you invite people into that. You don't invite Jim because he's an Eagles fan, but you can invite everybody else over to that. And Jim can invite the Eagles fans over. But maybe it's a sports team. Maybe you start a book club. That's kind of a, an up, up and coming thing these days where people are kind of picking a book and they get together once a month and they talk about it. It doesn't have to be every week, but it's something that maybe you're all doing and you could do it together. Or host like a movie night. Say, hey, let's, let's start like a movie night. Let's just, once a month, we get together and we'll watch a movie as a family maybe. And you, you kind of make that happen. Or a craft night. You know, something that you're interested in. Go fishing. Do a weekly fishing trip. There's rhythms in your life that you can invite people to be a part of. And use those to be intentional about it. It's an easy way to kind of bridge that gap between you and your neighbors or people you just don't know that well. This is a big one. Uh, for me and, and my wife is create a budget. Create a budget. If you don't know what a budget is, then I invite you to come out July 23rd, I think. Financial Peace University kicks off here at the church, and it'll be an amazing time. It'll revolutionize your life, I promise you. It'll be, it'll be huge. And our small group did Financial Peace before we did this book. And so once we did that, we started, we had a budget, and we we're doing really good. Or my wife does really good with it, and I don't do so good with it sometimes. Um, if you know Dave Ramsey, he's big on this envelope thing, and I'm just terrible at this envelope thing. And so, but we learned that we had a budget. And so we took all the money that we make, and we kind of put it in a separate category. And then as we started to read this book, we're like, oh, we need to have people over. Like, we need to be doing this. And we're like, well, how do you do that? How do you have people over every single week and feed, you know, 10 to 15 extra people once a week? That gets to be a little bit much. So we decided we, we need to budget for it. We need to figure out how to factor that into our budget. And then I got a promotion at work on, in January. And so we're like, all right, there it is. So we're going to take that money, that little excess that we have now, and we're going to start a, a, a hospitality budget. And so it's, it's kind of our way of saying, all right, this is what we're going to put a priority to. We're going to make this a priority. You know that saying where it's like, where your treasure lies, there your heart is? Like, that's scripture. That's in the book of Matthew. That's a thing. Like, where your priorities are, you know, that's where your heart is. And you're going to make time for it. You know, people ask, like, Brian, how do you have time to do, like, woodworking and go fishing? You have three kids. I'm like, well, because it's important to me, and I make time. It might be late at night, but I make time for it. And so just like that, if you want to make uh, hospitality and having people over, you need to make it a priority. And, and the first step to doing that is maybe creating some, some margin in your budget for it. And I'll tell you, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's fun. It doesn't sound like fun, but it is fun. When you can go to Hannaford or you can go to Sam's Club and you buy like $40 worth of meat, okay, and you bring that meat home and you get it all ready and you put that in your smoker and you let that pork go for nine, ten hours, and you pull it, and then you have like ten pounds of pulled pork to share with people that you didn't stress the bank to do, you were prepared to do that. Like, that's fun. That's fun. If that's not fun, then we could talk later, and I can show you how to do it. But it's a good time. But you can't do that, maybe. It might not be as fun if you're kind of breaking the bank by doing that. But if you prioritize and you budget for that, you can make it happen. But also, if you begin to budget, then you're going to know how much you have. You're going to know what kind of party you can have. You're not going to invite 30 people over knowing that you've only got $15 set aside for hospitality that week because it's going to be kind of a weird party if everyone's just eating Triscuits, and that's it, <laughs> right? Like, you need to prioritize and plan for that. You need to add some margin. A budget allows you to plan. 
and have the means to follow through on it and make it a good time. The last one is make it a team sport. This one's interesting because you can actually invite other people in to your rhythms. That You can invite other people in to be a part of what you're doing. And if you're going to invite your neighbors over, that might be kind of awkward you know, to invite a whole bunch of people you don't know. So bring a couple over that you do know and make it a team sport where at least you have someone there to cut that tension. So it's not like a middle school dance where everyone's just like, oh, this is awkward. Like, how are you? And I'm good. And, and then everyone's looking down at their feet because they don't know anybody, right? But you invite someone else to kind of break the ice there. And then you can go over to their house when they do it. So you kind of do it as a team and you make it a priority because no one wants to just invite people over and not have a good time. But maybe you need to invite that friend over that's, you know, kind of a little nutty, a little crazy. And then they'll kind of add some spice to your party. But all this is to say that life change happens best in the context of relationships. That's what we believe. That's why we drive small groups so hard here. It's because we believe that life change happens the best in a circle, in relationships, around a table, around a picnic table, around a fire, better than it does in a row here at church. Church is is valuable, and we learn some great tools here, but it's in those contexts of relationships that that really begins to take root and to take effect. And that's why we think that this is so, so huge and so important. And the reason is because, because of this phrase, because God so loved, you know it, because God so loved the world, because God so loved your coworkers, because God so loved the neighbor across the street, because God so loved, you know, the, mo- the other moms that dance, you know, even the crazy ones, because God so loved your kid's baseball coach or your kid's basketball coach or their teacher, because God so loved the world, every single one of us. God is for them. And he's for you, and he wants you to be his hands and his feet, to get out there and to do the things that you can do naturally. Invite people in to your life, because you're a lot cooler than you probably think you are. You have a lot more to offer than you think you might. God wants to use you right where you're at. He wants to invite you in, and he wants you to invite others in to see what Jesus has done, to see what he has done through you. When you invite people in, you begin to plant a seed. Have you ever heard of Johnny Appleseed, the guy with the tin, you know, the pan on his head? And he said, it said that he walked all across the country, right? And he's just throwing apple seeds around. And he's, you know, planting orchards here and there. And it said that he'd plant an orchard and he'd get it kind of ready. And then he'd take off and he'd go plant another one and another one. But he didn't sit there and plant the seed and then water it and then wait till it was a mature tree and then move on. He just planted the seeds. He got it started. And every time you invite someone over, you might be planting that first seed of their relationship with God. And that seed might, might take you know, 10 years to, to come to fruition, but you're planting it. Or maybe when you invite someone over, that seed's already been planted, but you're the next step. You're kind of watering it. And you're showing them that, hey, Christians aren't weird, right? Like all those weird memes I see on, that kind of tear down Christians, you're not like that. Like what's the deal with that? And then you're adding water to that seed. And then maybe you invite someone over that you're just the last step. You're kind of the last little step that they needed to say, you know what? God does love me. I've heard it, but I didn't really believe it. But the way that you entertained and the way you had us over and just fed us and and didn't talk about the way we should do life or shouldn't do life, but you just loved on us, that's all I needed to know that God is for me. He's not against me. He's got a plan. So as you kind of interact with people and you begin to kind of take root on that and you begin to plant those seeds and, and kind of water those seeds, God is saying, that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes it takes a party to do that. 
Sure, there's other ways to reach people, but sometimes it just takes a party. And so this summer, that's kind of what our focus for you is. That's kind of our challenge to you. That's all we have today is to say, go out and party. Step out of your comfort zone. Invite some people over. Have a good time. And believe me, it will just rock your world to see some of the text messages you get back. When people say, you know, I, I, me and my husband, we're kind of socially awkward, and it's just kind of like we don't really get out much, but we came over to your house, and we just had a ton of fun. It was just a good time, and, and we want to do more of that. You encouraged us to kind of be more out there. You'd be amazed at the way that God can begin to move in people's lives if you would just step out of your comfort zone and invite them in. So Jim's going to kind of come up and close, and he's got something to talk about with those pamphlets. But before he does, I'm just going to pray real quick. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your scripture, for your word, for the examples that you've given us, God. We pray that this summer will be a summer of great fun, of relationships, of power, that people will begin to invite others into their lives, that people will see that life change can happen, and it can happen around a table. And we just pray your blessing upon them. Pray that you give everybody in this room boldness, that they won't be timid or shy, but they'll step out in faith and invite people in and begin to invest in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.